from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, as well as on internet streaming radio all across the world on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. And of course, here for your viewing and listening pleasure on Facebook.com backslash WakeUpCallDT, carried on Facebook.com backslash LiveNowDT, and on YouTube.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. It is truly my honor and my privilege for the first time ever to have the Southland Conference here on the broadcast and their commissioner, Tom Burnett, joining me here today to discuss the conference, the leader of the Southland, and and I appreciate him so very much. It's a conference that I've watched from afar, and now we get to bring them front and center, which is truly a wonderful thing to do here inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios on Wake Up Call. So without further ado, let's bring in Tom Burnett. Tom, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dan. Great to be with you. Absolutely, and I appreciate you being here. And uh, Tom, first and foremost, uh, bring me into your story and how you found yourself as the leader of this conference. Well, I don't know how much time we have, so I'll be <laughs> as brief as I can. But I appreciate you asking that, Dan. I, um, you know, my start uh, in this business uh, really started uh, when I was a student at Louisiana Tech. Um, I latched on to a student SID position. Uh, in that uh, department back when the women's basketball team was the the number one program in the country, uh, really good, uh, what was then known as 1AA football. And we happened to have a uh, a pretty good men's basketball team uh, with a guy named Carl Malone who was playing. So this was all back in the mid-'80s when I kind of found my niche and kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Uh, that led to uh, conference work. I went to work what was uh, at what was then known as the American South Conference in the late 80s. It merged into the Sun Belt, uh, early 90s, and I was at the Sun Belt until uh, late uh, 2002 uh, when I got this opportunity here at the Southland to succeed Greg Sankey. And um, now, hard to believe, but in my uh, 19th year. Uh, as uh, the Southland Conference Commissioner. It's been a, a wonderful ride and had some opportunities to do a, a lot of things. You know, we host the FCS championship game here in Frisco, Texas, where we're based. I've uh, been involved with a lot of other NCAA events, um, serve on the uh, NCAA Men's Basketball Committee currently, which is a real thrill and, and privilege. And, uh, you know, just uh, like everyone else these days, just trying to get through what we hope are the last days of COVID and, uh, you know, certainly uh, kind of motor forward with uh, our league and uh, doing what's best for our student athletes. You know, you talk about, like you said, now 19 years later, but taking over for, you know, the former commissioner of the conference and uh, Greg Sankey, who is now with the SEC. What can you, you know, when you look at that and you see that that transition of and, and that it's been almost two decades and that Greg used to be here and is still a commissioner in the South, uh, what what is that? How surreal is that to you to kind of see that transition? He's still, 
you know, a commissioner, but in a different place, but still in the South, you come in and does it really feel like 19 years or how do you, how do you take all of this, uh, the world and put it together of where he was now you're there, he's somewhere else. And I mean, it, does it kind of just feel like a whirlwind still or, or how, do, how do you take it? Yeah, you know, it does, Dan. Um, you know, in no way does it feel like 19 years, but uh, it, that is what it is. And I will tell you, coming into this position, you know, you, you always say, well, I, when I, whenever I do leave, I want to leave it in a, in a better position than I found it. The challenge with that was who my predecessor was. And Greg Sankey, who has, you know, been a, a great leader uh, in college athletics for a long time, even before he was the SEC commissioner, and certainly um, he had had this uh, conference in, in a really good, strong spot. And, um, you know, we've been able to pick up some things and things change over 19 years. You know, um, you know, we do things differently with championships. Uh, we have a different kind of television these days than we had back in the day. You know, we're trying to do other things for student athletes that we, you know, weren't even thinking about 19 years ago. So things have changed, um, you know, certainly still see Greg as, as uh, with, with great admiration and what he does, certainly at a, at a you know, a different level uh, at the SEC, but uh, stay close to Greg. And uh, actually we partner with him on some officiating programs and, uh, you know, really stay close. And in fact, our, all of the commissioners will, will be meeting in person uh, next week in Chicago for the first time uh, in quite a while, uh, like everyone else. And look forward to catching up with Greg and the others. You know, and you talk about uh, still having a relationship with Greg. Uh, what can you, how would you describe that relationship and, and what it's been like over the years? Well, it's, it's really been good because Greg's always, you know, been there when I, when I've needed to call him, whether it's, you know, trying to get a little bit of history on an issue, a subject, um, something that, uh, you know, he may have experienced here, but, Maybe because it's been so long, it may not be so much about Greg's uh, Southland experience, but more about his, you know, day-to-day interactions, certainly uh, at that level of of FBS football, but also his interactions with uh, the NCAA. Um, Certainly, you know, no one has more conference-wide success than the SEC. So, you know, you you really, from a point of, of admiration, you are really looking to you know, see how Greg may handle this or handle that, but, um, and, and all of us have challenges. Uh, his challenges may be a little different than ours, but, uh, certainly he's someone who has learned and grown, uh, through his career. And that's, uh, it's always reassuring to touch base with him and, uh, get his feedback on, on issues that are, you know, of importance, uh, both large and small. You know, and, and to, to see how you've grown here as the commissioner of the Southland Conference, uh, like I said, of almost two decades, what have you learned most about yourself in in this time period? Like you said, it doesn't feel like 19 years. So from the day you walk through the door to where you stand right now, what can you tell me about that journey and, and maybe the main things you've seen evolve with yourself or just what you've taken? Yeah, I, I, I appreciate that question. I, I think when anyone comes into a brand new conference commissioner position, especially if you had some uh, some tenure as a conference staff member, you know the the dynamics of now you're in charge and now the staff is looking to you. 
whereas you might have just been part of a staff and, and you were in on the meetings, but really, um, you, you know, you were a team member. They, they weren't necessarily looking at you uh, uh, to take the lead and all of that. And, and that, of course, changes immediately once you become a commissioner. And, you know, it's a learning experience. You know, you've got to learn how to lead. You've got to, you know, work through your, your own um, and develop your own set of core values and how you want to direct uh, not only uh, a staff, but uh, your membership as well. And, of course, the commissioner role is, is very important for any conference, and people are looking for direction from the commissioner, but it's a, a unique relationship in that the commissioner doesn't have a vote. Uh, that's up to the uh, members of uh, his or her conference. And, uh, but uh, the commissioner does have an influential role in the direction a conference may take. So, you know, certainly over time, um, whether it's working with a colleague like Greg or interacting with, you know, a, a very accomplished group of school presidents, some very high level competent uh, athletic administrators, successful coaches, and ultimately, you know, a, a terrific uh, high-performing group of uh, thousands of student-athletes, you know, you, you really learn over time, you know, uh, what's important here, and that is the student-athletes and their opportunities. But you can't dismiss uh, there are some other business aspects of, of what a conference and a conference commissioner do and the services they provide uh, their members and uh, certainly you don't want to lose sight of you know wanting to win and, and be successful competitively but you know you want to do well academically and i think when we look back over you know a, a number of years here you know we've been very pleased and proud of, of the accomplishments we've made uh, you know across all aspects of what we do that coming here this morning on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios with Tom Burnett, the commissioner of the Southland Conference. You talked about the uh, the membership of the conference. Nichols, Abilene Christian, uh, Sam Houston, Stephen F. Austin, Northwestern State, New Orleans, Lamar, UIW, Southeastern LA, McNeese, uh, Houston Baptist, Central Arkansas, and A&M Corpus Christi. When I read these names off that make up the membership of the Southland Conference, what words come to mind to describe this membership? Well, I would, you know, start with something pretty basic, and that, that essentially is, um, you know, successful. Uh, I think that's a group of schools that, that you know, may, may fly under the radar, uh, uh, you know, with some people. But, you know, these are institutions that uh, are, are really focused on that student-athlete uh, accomplishment that we talked about uh, they want to be excellent in all they do. Uh, they want to operate with integrity. Uh, they want to be diverse and inclusive. Um, they want to operate responsibly from a fiscal standpoint. Uh, they want their student athletes to, you know, be celebrated, um, you know, academically. Uh, they want to be successful competitively. You know, this is a league that in just really a six-month period of time, because of our squeezed schedule because of COVID, you know, we've won an FCS national championship. We've won an NCAA basketball tournament game. We had the Walter Payton Award winner, which is the best football player in FCS. Uh, we've televised all of our football games. So that there's an, a number of accomplishments that this group of schools um, has come together and, uh, you know, achieved. 
And sometimes, uh, you know, people may see the names on that list and think that may not be possible. But uh, I, I think collectively, uh, everyone working hard together to be successful, uh, it's pretty amazing uh, what you can uh, uh, achieve. And I think we see that all the time in our conference. You know, we look at the conference, we look at football this year and just everything that was affected. Bring me into navigating as the commissioner of the Southland Conference uh, with everything that's happened with this pandemic and how much it affected, obviously, the the opportunity to have a season and, and to do things the way you want to do. I mean, some teams went out and competed, some teams did not, some teams could play a game or two. Uh, just what what it was like overseeing this as a commissioner going through the pandemic, uh, looking at football and how deeply uh, that was affected. Not that other sports weren't, but specifically looking at football and the fact that everything was really put on pause at the FCS level. Yeah, uh, another great question. And I will tell you, it probably ranks among the, the, the highest challenges that, that, that we've had. And I, and I don't only speak for myself. I know some other commissioners would share this, but you know, when you look back a year ago and we, you know, you really realize we didn't know what we didn't know about the pandemic. And at that point, going into the fall of 2020, we were all planning to play football and the other sports uh, as we planned to do. Um, certainly the virus didn't let go as quickly as we thought it would. It, it, it only got worse. And, it created issues for all of us, not just in athletics, but across all of higher ed and across every institution and, and throughout our society, as we all know. So, but the, the, the effort was there to play fully in the fall. I think what got us and maybe some others at our FCS level was just the issue of testing and the availability, the affordability uh, of that. And that really put you know through a, a hurdle in our way and ultimately when the NCAA made a decision to move the FCS championship to the spring then that's where you saw a lot of the FCS conferences land there were exceptions we had some schools that just you know wanted to play in the fall and our presidents came to an accommodation that if you wanted to play in the fall you could and if you wanted to play in the spring you could but in the spring understand that's where the championship opportunity is. That's where the playoff opportunity is. And ultimately, most of our schools uh, went with the spring plan. But every conference has a similar story, and it was just fraught with challenges. And ultimately, I'm just so very pleased we got some competition in. It was abbreviated. Uh, it started during cold weather and ended when it got warmer, which was strange to th think about football. But then there were all the other sports as well that you've mentioned, the volleyballs, the soccers, the cross country. All of that came to the spring and got lumped onto everything else we did. And, you know, we did it all in about a six-month window. So, you know, ultimately we were really pleased and proud uh, of how our institutions uh, put all of that together uh, I, I can only imagine the, the traffic they had on their campuses with all of these various championship events, uh, sports going on at the same time. But, hey, they did it, and we're very proud of them. And um, I, I guess the last thing I would say about that is I, I really don't want to do that again. I, I want us all to get back on a normal schedule, and hopefully we can do that. Yeah, you know, in, in, in navigating through a pan pandemic, uh, something that no commissioner or, you know, really uh, anybody thought we would have to do, 
a year and a half that's uh, that we've been navigating through this thing uh, in America. What can you say about being a leader? You know, when you're the commissioner, you're supposed to have answers to questions. Uh, people look to you as as the head of the Southland Conference, and you know your your office looks to you. The member schools look to you. These ads and in presidents and and coaches and and student athletes look to you. So when we're within a thing that has no answers and is fluid, how did you handle that from your seat? Well, uh, I, I will tell you, I, it, it wasn't with a, you know perhaps a great deal of ease at times. It was always challenging. I, I think uh, when we first got into the pandemic, we were probably looking at things in, in two-week windows. You know, uh, I remember our first conversations when we unfortunately had to shut down uh, basketball and, and some of our spring sports that were starting. I, I remember conversations that, you know, we'd be back playing outdoor sports in April, that this was going to pass. And of course, that that didn't happen. It didn't come close to that. And then, you know, the NCAA, you know, shut everything down from, from their perspective. And that put us all in, in a very uh, difficult position and you know again as a commissioner um you're trying to do what's best uh, for your collective membership uh you're dealing with uh, athletic directors who don't have answers uh for their coaches and student athletes you're, you're dealing with university presidents who you know had to on the fly go to a, a remote teaching model so there was so much uncertainty it, it's it's kind of hard to look back and say, well, this is what guided us through this. I think there was just a great level of trust and confidence in one another that allowed us to, you know, uh, be flexible, be nimble when we had to, uh, be ready to move um, when it was time to move, but then also have the understanding that um, that opportunity may not come yet. We may have to wait. And in fact, we had to wait really until November to where we really felt we had the testing under control. And, and, and to me, that was the key to everything. Once we had an availability and an affordability on COVID testing, we found a way to navigate through this. So that may have been, when we all look back on this, the thing that really kind of opened things up for us. Um, you know, we had to test frequently throughout all of these sports seasons. Uh, really through the NCAA basketball tournament. And, you know, once we were able to do that, I think everybody was able to see a, a clearer path, at least, uh, to success in the future. And it seems like now that's kind of where we landed. So uh, I don't know that I take any huge credit for leadership through a pandemic. I think it, I was learning every day, every minute, like everyone else, but would really you know, say that, you know, the key for us was a group of schools, administrators that, that wanted to work through it and understood there were going to be starts and stops, challenges, but there, there was light at the end of the tunnel and we could see it. We just had to get to it. Speaking here with the leader of the Southland Conference, the commissioner, Tom Burnett, here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Tom, like you said, uh, just kind of taking this in spurts and knowing that there was light at the end of the tunnel. Personally, outside of, of just looking at your job as a commissioner, what did you learn about yourself 
in the past year and a half. How did you grow as Tom Burnett overall? Yeah, you know, you you, you look back at it and, um, you, you, you know, you, you, you realize um, that you, you probably had more patience, more tolerance, uh, more acceptance of um, frustrations, some that you experienced yourself, uh, some that were shared by others. And, you know, I think that allowed me to, to, to grow uh, in, in a sense that, you know, you, you really got to put yourself in, in someone else's shoes and look at the world from, from their standpoint. And that could be with a, a student athlete, uh, that could be with a coach, um, an administrator, uh, a family member, even uh, a friend that, that's looking at things a bit differently people that are perhaps suffering a little bit more through this. And of course, you know, um, having the full understanding that other people were much more adversely affected by the virus, uh, either directly or with a family member. And, you know, you just uh, really kind of fell back on counting your blessings, taking care of your family, um, your your friends, your staff, um, you know, and and really uh, pushing that towards your membership that we got to take care of each other. We're going to get through this, and so you know, I, I just think uh, over time you, you just have a little bit more acceptance and understanding of what other you know problems are out there. Uh, you know, I, I think the lessons from COVID are still to be learned. Uh, so there's a lot ahead of us that we're probably not even thinking about that we will look back on and say, hey, that was, you know, uh, something that I, I, you know, I learned about myself. I got better at. Um, and th- those are just a few of the things that, that probably come to mind here when, when I think back on it. And, and for you, you know, to, to see that, to go through that adversity, we all went through it. Uh, this world very rarely has ever gone through the exact same thing at the exact same time. How would you describe that to, you know, your family, to the future? If you could put a message in a bottle and and send it off into the ocean for somebody to find someday, what can you say about a time period in history where it didn't matter what country you were in, it didn't matter how much money you had, what your nationality was, what language you spoke, the color of your skin, it literally did not matter at all. This pandemic affected the entire world at the exact same time. How would you describe that? Well, the only thing in, in, in my lifetime that, that, that I would probably liken it to, and it, it did not impact me, it, it was well before my time uh, on this planet, but I can remember my grandparents uh, talking about the Depression. Um, I can remember my grandparents talking about, you know, World War II. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I can recall how vividly they could describe the problems and the troubles they had, whether it was the the economics of the Great Depression or it was wartime or, you know, um, you know, that's what I would liken this to is that, you know, we all experience something. I don't want to trivialize war or, you know, the economic hardships that that our ancestors had, but that's what I remember early on in my life as a youngster hearing from my grandparents. And, you know, 
it, it may be the experience we tell our grandchildren and their children uh, in the future. Um, and, you know, hopefully, um, you know, we don't have to experience something like that again. Although, hopefully, uh, I would say that uh, also that the recovery, um, health and otherwise, is something that uh, I hope worldwide we all experience together and uh, we continue to rebound. So, you know, those are some things that come to mind uh, on that uh, that I can remember uh, in, in my lifetime. But, uh, you know, as Americans, we all had an experience with 9-11 that's a little bit different than a worldwide uh, incident. Uh, and then, you know, people from around the, the, the world have their own experiences. But, um you know, that's what I would liken it to, uh, maybe just from my experiences. Yeah, come in here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Commissioner of the Southland Conference, uh, Tom Burnett, here with us today on the show. And, and Tom, before I let you go, a, a few other points here. The men's basketball side of things, uh, Abilene Christian and Stephen F. Austin watching teams from afar. I know different teams have made the tournament but uh, Stephen F. Austin just a few years ago had a pretty nice run, and Abilene Christian wasn't a Division One school team, uh, you know, just a, a little bit ago. I mean, they they went from D two to D one, and had only been to the tournament one other time in 2019. They got their first win this time around, and they did it against another team in the state of Texas. So a lot to the story of Abilene Christian. They were a D two school, became a D one school recently go to the tournament, get their first win this season as we go through this pandemic. And just about four hours away, they do it against the team at University of Texas from the Big 12, which is right there in, in Austin, Texas. So, I mean, th- there's a lot of story to this and a lot of beauty to the Southland Conference for, you know, having representation and then having Abilene Christian do it against another Texas team in the quote-unquote Power Five and to be a newly donned division one school to have their first ever ncaa tournament victory be against a storied program like texas yeah terrific stories absolutely but i I think as we go back and look at our history i think we've always found a way to be competitively successful whether it's at the level of football we play or you know making progress uh, like you mentioned in in the men's basketball tournament uh, ultimately uh, winning games uh, in that tournament um can completely alter, uh, you know, not only uh, an institution's uh, reputation and, you know, people now start to think of Stephen F. Austin uh, as a basketball school. Uh, They they see Abilene. They all remember that and the the incredible win over the flagship uh, university uh, in their own state. So, you know, but we've always pointed to there was the opportunity for competitive success starts with presidential leadership, board leadership. They want to be successful in what they do. Uh, They don't have the most resources available to them, but they do have the opportunity and um, to to work best with the resources that they do have to be creative, to be innovative, and hire good coaches. And good coaches hire good student-athletes that work hard. And that Abilene Christian team was as crappy as any team I've ever seen and to go up against a team that's full of future NBA players was it was a pretty amazing sight to see and certainly we're very proud of that but 
we think there's always stories like that in our conference, and it, it's something that we have a history of and uh, plan to, to continue to do. You know, and, to, and, and that success and seeing that in the Southland Conference and seeing that representation, when you get those moments, when those moments happen and, and, and people look to, okay, who are these schools, where are they from, what conference are they a part of, when those moments happen, obviously they're special, but as we move forward, what should people know about the Southland Conference? How how should we view your conference to not just see it for these moments where, okay, this might be an upset or that might be an upset, but to really see it throughout the year? How would you describe the conference and, and what should we know about the Southland Conference that maybe people don't readily know? Yeah, you know, I think that... Um... Uh, again, this is a league that uh, really focuses on, you know, the, the full student-athlete success. That can be a little bit of a cliche, but uh, it, it is important. And I think that a real a devotion uh, of our members to uh, do what's best for those student-athletes that have uh, committed uh, to their athletic programs. I think the things here in, in the Southland as well that have, have really helped us and will continue to help us in the future is the, the geographic proximity uh, we have had to each other. We, you know, we're close together. Uh, our league has, uh, you know, really resided in, in two or three states throughout, throughout its history. Um, that proximity, we think, helps uh, competitive success. We think it helps academically because uh, student-athletes can get back to campus quicker, back into the classroom, uh, you know, working on their on their degree program. So that, that's very important as well. And then I think the other thing that our conference does just a, a wonderful job of is uh, we, we've got uh, terrific student athletes that are very active uh, with community service and have proven over time, um, you know, just terrific things in their communities, uh, charitable uh, opportunities um, for, for youngsters, uh, uh, Habitat for Humanity, just other terrific uh, uh, donations of their time and resources. And just at the end of the day, I think our student-athletes walk away with a very good, well-rounded experience uh, having competed in this conference. And ultimately, you know, what we hope is that leads to lifelong success for them. And I think when we talk to uh, coaches and our alums and former players, all of that, you know, I think they really cherish their time in the Southland Conference, the rivalries, uh, the success beyond the conference, and all the wonderful things they do in their communities, and uh, just the, the, the academic success they have that leads to that lifelong success. So that's what really sticks with me. Kind of going off of that, what does it mean to be Southland strong? When I, when I see that, you know, obviously it's, uh, you know, something that you utilize on your promotions here. What is Southland strong? You know, that can be anything and everything. You know, that started as kind of a, you know, um, buzzword, kind of a hashtag back in the early days of of Twitter and, I, and I, other social media. And we had a little bit of fun with it. We didn't really realize what um, uh, it, it was other than, you know, could we have a quick phrase when we do something really good athletically. What we didn't really see and was how it just took off. Um we, our schools really latched onto it. And anytime they did anything uh, special, uh, athletically, academically, 
otherwise, they were throwing around the hashtag Southland Strong. So it kind of grew a bit organically as just a quick phrase in our social media. Then it turned into a whole publicity program. And, you know, you, you may have seen the mark and, you know, we do uh, PSA television commercial type things where, you know, our student athletes, you know, proclaim that they are Southland strong. And it has been really rewarding to see that grow like it has. Um, and I think we even won a, uh, some public relations uh, group gave us an award for it. Uh, back in the early days of social media. So, so Southland Strong is, is anything and everything good that occurs. And uh, we were really proud of, of how that's taken off. And we've seen some other conferences try to come up with their uh, own phrasing as well. And um, we'll, uh, we, we salute them on that. And um, just remember that we, we may have been one of the first ones to do something like that. I like that. A little reminder to the rest of the country. So uh, best, best part of being a commissioner and most challenging part? Well, I would tell you that the best part is the, the people you get to work with. Um, you know, you work for, a, again, a very accomplished group of um, uh, university presidents who are interested uh, in you know, conference-wide success. They, they fully understand the, the greater good uh, of the conference, uh, as well as, uh, you know, those accomplished um, athletic directors, their staffs, uh, some really great coaches, and, and, and ultimately their student-athletes. That, that, that kind of, you know, gets you excited every day is the, the people you get to work around. Of course, we've got a great staff here that, um, you know, I love to, uh, you know, help and lead, assist in any way I can, whether it's helping them grow the conference or even them grow personally and professionally. You know, certainly the challenges, uh, I, I think, that are shared by many, you know, uh, sometimes those are resource-based. Uh, there are, you know, some challenges and, you know, how big your budgets are and, and all of that. But, you know, that may lead to a problem here or there, but the challenge of overcoming those problems is something that uh, keeps me uh, energized and uh, keeps me coming back for more. And, uh, you know, th there will continue to be challenges. That's one thing we can be sure of. You know, and, and you spoke about uh, sitting in, in a prominent role for men's basketball. I wanted to go into that a little bit deeper, just what you get to do beyond being the Southland Conference Commissioner, what you get to do for, you know, men's basketball in general in the country to have representation and, and to have a seat at the table. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a great honor and privilege, um, you know, to serve in, in this role. This will, will be my, my fifth and final year on the uh, men's basketball committee here in 21-22. And uh, it, it's everything you might uh, expect it to be, uh, to be in that room with, uh, you know, just a terrific group of colleagues, uh, leaders from our enterprise from around the country, uh, there are 12 committee members now, and again, uh, uh, very high-level athletic directors and conference commissioners uh, that, that I get the uh, opportunity to, to work with and, and, and learn from all the time. And then just to be involved with uh, March Madness, um, uh, you know, the Final Four, uh, helping determine the future of, of that event. Uh, there simply hasn't been, you know, uh, 
many gratifying experiences as you know you can have serving in that role uh, leading what is you know uh, an event that's so important to, to the entire um, enterprise of division one and all of the NCAA and of course, we had to do it a little bit differently this year uh, in the controlled environment of Indianapolis. But uh, in the end, we were, you know, r- r- so gratified that we were able to get through it. And another one of those things, you don't want to do it that way again. And hopefully we can get through a, a regular 14-site uh, men's basketball tournament uh, with, a, with a great Final Four in New Orleans. Uh, next April. So uh, a terrific experience and just uh, very honored to um, to be included with that group. And, and a final piece here for you, Tom. Tom Burnett here with us from the Southland Conference, the commissioner on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Uh, you had mentioned at FCS Championship uh, a decade and in, in counting of, of being able to host the championship game for the FCS. Just what that's meant for the conference and, and just what that uh, says about you know where you are and what you're doing and, and the footprint that you're making not only in the FCS but in the country to be the host place for such a premier game and, and a reputable game across the nation. Yeah, you know the um, the, the FCS game. You know, obviously we, we play football at this level, so we have an investment in FCS football. And, and I think what what I had uh, identified a few years ago was there could be an opportunity to pick up that championship and really elevate uh, the experience, uh, the host city environment, uh, the hotel experience for, for student athletes, and really try to develop kind of a bowl type uh, week for those two participating teams. You know, the Southland Conference by itself could not do that. Uh, we, and we probably would not have done it had it just been on us. What we were very fortunate to do here in Frisco, Texas, was partner with a great city leadership and then a great group that owns uh, FC Dallas and runs uh, Toyota Stadium here uh, in our community that uh, really when we approached them with the idea, they started at yes and then asked, what else can we do? And we were really able to build this great partnership and grow it and really appeal to the NCAA that they needed to come to an area that was booming uh, as this Dallas area is and, and Frisco. Frisco is very sports centric. The Dallas Cowboys are, are headquartered here. Uh, the Dallas Stars are headquartered here. We have elements of Major League Baseball, the NBA, uh, of course, soccer, and now the PGA of America is moving here. So it's a very sports focused community that we felt could really lend itself to a special football environment and that has only grown over now the 11 years uh, that we have hosted the game 10 of those games have been sold out uh, and we've got another five years ahead of us on our current contract so you know we're, we're very gratified that not only from a Southland Conference perspective but all of FCS we could really turn this into a long-standing event that you know, to me, kind of mimics, you know, maybe not to the length, but, you know, what we do in Omaha for college baseball, what we do in Oklahoma City for college softball, what we do in Eugene for college track. I mean, this has become the place that um, uh, FCS football is celebrated and where we're going to crown a champion uh, every year. You know, and, and, and you had uh, within this conference, you just finished up your, your annual spring meetings 
and there's a lot on the table. Just uh, just whatever notes you'd like to give us on that of as the Southland Conference moves forward, uh, membership possibilities as well as looking at you know uh, your multi-year agreement, uh, television-wise and name name image and likeness, uh, NCAA transfer rule. There's so many different things that that have gone on. But what can you tell us about uh, potential membership possibilities moving forward, as well as the rest of the climate of of collegiate athletics with the Southland? Yeah, we we do have some membership change ahead of us. We've had that before, and and we've adjusted as we've needed to over time uh, with different realignments and. Uh, we've got that coming again. We're still working through that process. So, so no breaking news today, but, um, you know, we're working on some concepts, uh, here again in our region of the country, uh, that, that could come to pass. And, um, you know, just, uh, working very diligently with a group of uh, school presidents and athletic directors, uh, and, and helping to put that together. So that that's coming. You, you had mentioned, um, uh, television, uh, yeah, we, we've really grown our, our television uh, over time. Uh, all of our schools will be producing campus content for ESPN Digital moving forward, which has been something we've been working on for, for quite a while, and that will uh, will occur uh, beginning in the coming year. So really pleased about that. We, you know, we've, this is a conference that's gone from maybe a, a half dozen television opportunities to, to well you know over uh, or close to 300 so far and we expect that number to continue growing exponentially uh, in the future so that that is uh, out there for us as well uh, there's always something going on uh, with the conference you know we've got national issues such as name image and likeness that's going to affect all of us certainly in division one if not beyond that and you know, just trying to stay uh, on top of that. Uh, there's a new transfer environment that we're all part of now and have been for a few years. But, uh, you know, again, uh, lots of challenges out there for us, but uh, opportunities as well. And that's kind of how we, you know, want to look at the challenges we've got out there, that uh, they're, they're really uh, opportunities sometimes in disguise. Yeah, you know, and a beautiful thing, and we don't learn unless we have adversity. So, with that being stated, a Commissioner Tom Burnett of the Southland Conference here with us on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. Tom, I know it's the first time we spoke. You gave me uh, plenty of your time, and I appreciate that and truly respect that. That doesn't go unnoticed, and, and I would love to have the opportunity to stay in touch and stay, stay connected with you and have uh, the Southland represented here on Wake Up Call again. I'd love to have you back. Dan, it's been a pleasure. Uh, happy to talk with you anytime. Thank you.